Hello and welcome back or to another episode of the Spicy Pisces Podcast. I'm your host, Emma Jepson, and I'm so happy you're here. Thank you for joining me today. Now, before I even begin, I want to just say that there are a lot of nuances to this topic. I'm not going to be referencing all of the possible before and after pics that we see on the internet in this episode right here. I wanted to dedicate it solely to the ED, eating disorder focused before and after pics. I know there's weight loss pictures, gym transformation, bulking, you know, starting some sort of fitness training program and seeing results with that, self-harm, depression content, before and after plastic surgery, acne, Accutane, um, removing dairy from your diet, et cetera, et cetera. I have my issues with some of these other topics as well, but I figured we could save this for another episode because there's a lot to dive into with specifically eating disorder before and after pictures. So that's what I'm going to be talking about today in this episode. Diving right into it, I don't think before and after pictures are always inherently a problem. I love how people share things they're proud about, progress they've made. They can hold themselves accountable to recover through documenting their journey online and that the reinforcement from other people can be really good if you're on the early stages of a recovery journey and you need that sort of support network and you don't have it in person or at home or you can't really find it anywhere else. However, overall, I think they do more harm than good. And my first issue with before and after pictures centered around eating disorders is that from the ones I see pop up on my page a lot, they almost always showcase one classification of eating disorders, and that is anorexia. So really frail-looking individuals, usually in an inpatient facility with lots of tubes on and in them, hospital backgrounds, etc. While I think it's great that people are showcasing the possible extreme repercussions of diet culture that the diet industry doesn't reveal to you when they're promoting all of their shiny wrapper products and services, it's almost how the cigarette and tobacco ads, like, show really graphic content to scare people out of addiction. I like kind of see how that can be beneficial, but I think it's overall just really triggering. And one, that's because the content is just really triggering to see in general. And when it pops up with no warning a lot of the time on our feeds, either consciously or unconsciously, it feels pretty heavy on us. And also, as someone with a hypersensitive personality as well, I have a really hard time viewing really graphic content, which is why I don't like horror movies, really grotesque films, or intense fight scenes. It overstimulates me, and I just feel very overwhelmed. It feels really intense and uncomfortable to take in. So that's why I find that this content, when it's made to be really graphic, can be pretty triggering to me, and I suspect other people as well. But another reason is because I find that they almost insinuate that you need to look this sick and languished in order to get help, recover, and or be diagnosed with having an eating disorder. And 
that those with extremely low BMIs are the only people impacted by eating disorders, which in turn invalidates the struggles of people who are struggling with food but don't look this sick. It basically prolongs and reinforces this idea that you need to hit a quote-unquote rock bottom where you physically look so low in order to start a recovery journey and go and seek help. I was never formally diagnosed with an eating disorder. That's another episode that we can unpack entirely, but one of the reasons was because when I went to see my doctor, they didn't tell me that I was underweight or too quote-unquote thin compared to the previous year's check-in. They kind of just read off my BMI and told me I was on the lower end, but they didn't mention that it was too unhealthy, that they needed to investigate it further, and they didn't really bring up food either. I don't think they really asked me about that. I still don't think they really ask a lot about food in a way that's centered around disordered eating, eating disorders, and possibly helping you find help there. I don't think they really do that, at least to the practitioner and office that I've gone to in the past, but um, I also have an entirely different bone to pick with the lack of like consideration and education on eating disorders in the medical world, but we're going to save that for another episode because there's a lot to get into there. But basically, I wanted to say that I now say that I did in fact deal with an eating disorder because I now know how bad it was, even if physically it didn't appear to be that quote-unquote bad, because I now know it's more of a mental battle than anything, and that's not something you can just diagnose or see by taking someone's weight or simply calculating their BMI. As I've spoken to more and more people about their histories and stories with food, I feel like the statistics could honestly be close to like 8 or 9 out of 10 people who struggle with their relationship with food to varying ends of the spectrum, but still something that takes a toll on them. I feel like diet culture has normalized disordered eating, so we feel like if we sit on this lesser end of the spectrum that we don't actually need help or need to change anything because we're just living quote-unquote normally, or it's just how things are supposed to be. And unless we have this stereotypical anorexic appearance, we don't need help because there's we're not at that level yet where we need help. But really, there's no benchmark you need to hit appearance-wise in order to be considered at a level of dealing with something where you do need to maybe change your behaviors or you should go seek help. And if you find that you are struggling with a dysfunctional relationship with food, but you don't mirror the appearance of the people you see in these videos and in this content, you shouldn't feel like you're not sick enough to ask for help or you're not quote-unquote qualified to be talking about your struggles with food and or body because you are and simply feeling like you are struggling and need help is enough validation to go and seek it and ask for it. There's no physical requirements for obtaining help. And this leads me into another point about how these pieces of content almost create a competition around who looks or like the sickest, who is the most qualified to be promoting their story. And I find that some people use it for clout almost. And there's almost like a badge of honor people are trying to win by constantly showing how sick they were at their lowest. But there should be absolutely zero competition around this issue. 
this is not something you should be competing over because that's just incredibly fucked up. Like, who was the most sick? Because then, again, this just invalidates the people who are struggling but don't necessarily look that sick. And they feel like they're not at that point yet where they feel like they can reach out for help or start sharing about their story and opening up about it because they haven't hit this rock bottom yet. It's just so toxic. And when I can sense this competitive nature now of these videos and people trying to almost promote that they're the most qualified to be posting about this or sharing about this because they were they were the sickest out of everyone. And it just drives me absolutely crazy because it's so triggering and toxic. And I know people are just doing it for views and, you know, they want more followers and people to view their content. And a lot of the time they don't even, people don't even realize how triggering their content can be, which leads me to my final point about how some people might be saying, I don't see the issue here. I don't find this type of content to be triggering. If you really don't find it to be triggering at all, that's awesome. But I feel like for majority of us, it's either consciously or subconsciously triggering, especially when the algorithm starts feeding you this type of content only or you find yourself going down these rabbit holes of consuming just so many videos and posts highlighting this type of content, it just inundates you and fucks with you mentally. And especially nowadays with the amplification of content and how your content is able to reach thousands and millions more people than it was able to even five years ago. I think it's so crucial more than ever now to critically think about and consider all the possible ways your content could be perceived and any possible negative side effects it could have on viewers that you didn't initially consider. Obviously, you can't always plan for all of them, but I think it's good to at least think about it generally before you hit post, no matter who you are, no matter what you're posting about, just think about it before you post. I've spoken with enough people now at this point to recognize that there are so many benefits to not posting this type of content, and there are other ways to bring up these topics without graphically depicting them. And I think this is very important, specifically relating to eating disorders, because an eating disorder cannot be summed up in a photograph. There's so much more nuanced and complex than a photo can portray. So that's why I've stopped posting before and after pictures on my platform and instead do a lot more written content and blog posts and podcast episodes because there's a lot more space to go into the details and the nuances of this topic as a whole. You also minimize the risk of potentially oversimplifying this topic or carrying on a stereotypical narrative of what someone with an eating disorder looks like, or just simply you kind of evade the the issue of posting triggering graphic content online that could be pretty harmful and damaging to someone else. This is where I'm going to wrap up with today's episode. If you made it to the end, thank you so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed the episode. If you did, Feel free to leave it a five-star rating and or a review. 
And thank you again for listening. I hope you have a wonderful rest of your day, of your week, and I will see you in the next episode. Bye.